Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. First ever interview over uh, on Zoom on a computer, and uh, first ever chat with someone in another country. So um, yeah, I'm Nick Noise. Um, I'm normally here, and I've got Scott Sorry with me. Hello, pleased to have you. So where Thank are you, me. Scott? I am in. Where am I? I'm in Gormine, um, which is just outside of Portland, Maine. Oh, really? Yeah, like uh, about an hour and a half north of Boston. Uh, we were on a TV app uh, that was in Boston called Here Boston. Um, we had a lot, yeah, we got quite a few people in Boston area who, who kind of check us out. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, near Portland? Yeah, just uh, outside of Portland. I always really like the look of Portland. It like uh, I know uh, Johnny Marr lived there for a few years. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Moving back to the UK because um, he was in um, oh, what was the band? Oh, oh, that's really bugging me now. I can't remember. Oh, with this, oh, quite a famous band in Portland. Um, they sound like the Pixies. I can't remember who they are now. Well, that's a lot good. Well, that would make sense if they sound like the Pixies. This, that's Pixies are from Boston, which is yeah, an hour from here, an hour and a half from here. So that's cool. I, have you seen the uh, the comedy Portlandia? Yes, <laughs> that's a different Portland. That's oh. a different Portland. That's a that's um. That's West Coast. So there's Portland, Maine, that's just above Boston. Right. And then there's Portland, Oregon, that's like just north. Uh, well, it's, it's like near Washington and California out on that coast. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. So you were in the UK for a while, though, weren't you? Yeah, I was there when I lived, when I was in the Wild Hearts. Um, I was kind of lived off and on in the UK. Like we, whenever I had to go to work, I you know, flew to England and 
stayed with them in England for months on end. And then I'd come home and then I'd go back. So I never had a permanent residence, but I spent the better part of about six, seven years out there. Right, right. Yeah, we've had Ginger on there before, actually. Uh, we did something for um, like our Men's Mental Health Day. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, the Samaritans kind of hooked us up with Ginger. We, yeah, it was fairly brief. It was only about 10 minutes, but um, it's quite interesting, really. You can tell he's been through some shit. You can really yeah, tell. <laughs> he's been down a couple of roads. Yeah, yeah, that's what I get. Yeah. So just give us a kind of a... So some of the bands we played in, I was looking... Uh, so obviously the Wild Arts for quite a long time, uh, but I didn't realise you played in Amen as well. That's actually how I met the Wild Hearts. Um, we did a tour. It was a co-headlining tour, but we we were basically opening for the Wild Hearts for like a month. And uh, Ginger and I got on really well. So, um, you know, I was in Amen for a couple of years, but after that dissolved and Ginger wanted to do the Wild keep pursuing the wild hearts he asked me actually no hold on we were in let's see i was in amen we toured with the wild hearts right and then amen split up and i got asked to join this band uh brides of destruction right which was like nikki six and um tracy guns and scott coogan and the singer london the grand well Nikki was leaving to do the uh, Motley reunion. Yeah. So they asked if I would take Nikki's place and pay, play bass. And then when, so when I joined that band, Ginger found out. Ginger had, and I had become really close on the Wild Hearts tour. The Wild Hearts were busy, so he decided to join the band as well. Um, now that band didn't really work out too well for either of us. Uh, <laughs> it's it was um, not yeah. It just didn't really work out well for Jim's or myself, right? We were we got along great, but there was a couple other issues with the band that we just needed to walk from. They're um, the people you say that kind of quite notorious, aren't they? Yeah. And notorious kind of hard rockers. What's that? They're like notorious hard rockers. Yeah, and it was just a different kind of hard rocker. You know, yeah. it was like it just. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm a punk rock kid. Yeah. And I was playing in a kind of a more glam band, and that really doesn't suit me at all. You know, so. And Ginger. Ginger's got a personality on him. So when he doesn't agree with somebody, you know, it's, he makes it very apparent. And he and a couple of the other guys just did not get along. So Ginger parted ways with that band. And then I parted ways with that band not too long after. And then Ginger, um, Ginger got in touch with me like six months later and asked if I would join the Wild Hearts. And I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah. So... It's basically how I started or joined that band. So how did you get started in, like, how old were, when, so, right, when did you kind of go professional with music? 
Like, when did you... What was your, your first band that you got to deal with? Uh, my, it's, it, it, worked, my, it worked different for me. I was... I'd run away from home at 15, right? And ended up in... Like, I grew up in Allentown, which is just outside of Philadelphia. Right. And when I hit that magic age of 15, when you're just as rebellious as can be, yeah. I, uh, I packed up and went to California uh, to really kind of meet my dad. And, and, you know, I just had to get off the East Coast. I was starting to get in a lot of trouble. Right. So I started playing in punk bands in San Jose um, in California and I just started meeting all these people and all of a sudden, like, I think I was like 20. Um, I played a show, the band I was in was this band nine past nine. And we, we were like a punk slash, I don't know. We were, we were one of those bands. We were trying everything. We were doing like punk rock. And then we had a guy that would do hip hop and, and, uh, it was cool. But when I, um, we were playing a show and basically a couple of us were asked to go join this band as a, like touring musicians. That band was signed to Warner brothers. And I just kind of, I took the opportunity and kind of toured all over the place and met a bunch of people and that kind of kept spiraling. Um, I don't think I actually got a record deal until like, until I was like 26, right? But no, that's probably wrong too. (laughs) (laughs) The first record deal I actually signed was that one with Brides of Destruction. Right. Um, that was the first, but I'd, I'd kind of just bounced around from band to band and I was always filling in for other people. You know, and when someone would leave, they'd give me a call and I'd, I'd go play with them for a bit. And uh, like, that's what happened with Amen. Um, like I met Casey Chaos in a bar in Berlin when I was on tour with a band that was opening for Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, really? And Casey and I was with Josh Homme. And Casey, um, Josh introduced me to Casey, and Casey and I got on really well And for that 10 minutes. And then, uh, <laughs> like, he asked me to join Amen when Tumor left. And, and it's always been that kind of a thing. Like, I've always been asked to join other bands that I really like at the time. And that's it. But- that's it though, isn't it? You're working. Like, you're doing it. Yeah. You're being a musician. Like, uh, the reason, I, I used to play in bands, and I still play in bands, and I, uh, I'm a guitar obsessive, and uh, I, but I tried to make it for about 10 years before I kind yeah. of thought, oh, shit, I need to have a, I need a job. Um, right. So that's why I was just interested, because I found it really fascinating. Uh, and it's like, oh, it's so cool. From my point of view, it's like, that's so cool. <laughs> you were saying, um, if you don't mind me asking, you said when you were 15, um, you, you like, left. That's yeah. pretty young, isn't it? That's yeah. pretty young. So you must have been, things couldn't have been that good for you to, to go. Well, things were, 
things were starting to get crazy. Like, um, I was, my mom has, my mom's uh, bipolar. She's got manic depression, right? Yeah. And it kind of runs pretty rampant in our family. Yeah. Um, and when I was 15, I started, like, getting into my teenage rebellious point but that was also fueled by you know my own issues that i was starting to have and then uh my mom didn't know how to deal with it because you know she would she hadn't been properly diagnosed uh, so she couldn't really handle me and we were just like getting into really really bad fights and uh i there was a part of me that just needed to get out. Like, I just, I needed to get away. I just had to get out of the house, right? Uh, so uh, we were playing, I was actually playing a show with my very first band. We were playing in Allentown at this place called Scarlett O'Hara's. And uh, we finished the job, we finished the show, and I literally went back to my house grabbed my backpack, packed my packed my backpack full of stuff and, and split, right? And I went and stayed at this kid, Punk Rock Jeff's house. Such a silly name, but we were like 15 and that was his name, Punk Rock Jeff. Yeah. Um, went and stayed at his house and got picked up by, got picked up by the police that night. Or no, sorry, the next afternoon I got picked up by the police. And they took me to this place called the Horsham Clinic. It was, was like a uh, mental, mental institution slash um, drug rehab place. Really? Yeah. And uh, I was there. It was like one step away from being a like, padded cell kind of a place. Right? Really? Yeah. But uh, you, were you like displaying any like massive mental health problems or anything or is it you just had enough and you you left probably both okay you know what i mean um i mean it, it was heavy-handed what's that just seems heavy-handed doesn't it yeah but my mom i think my mom was realizing that all of us had manic depression right, right. um i i'm not sure like she basically, she thought I needed serious help, right? Yeah. So she put me in horseshoe. Um, and they tried, like, putting me in lithium and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, while, we were, while I was in that place, um, while I was in that place, my mom, like the counselors asked me where I wanted to go. Like if I wanted to go home, and I was told yeah. them, I was like, no, I'm not going home. Like, I'm, I'm not going to go back there. And the counselors asked me where I wanted to go. And I just said, I want to go meet my dad. Right. So they, uh, they set it up so that, you know, my dad gave me a call and I haven't really spoken to him in years. Um, Really didn't know him. I didn't know him from when I was four years old till I was 15. Uh, really? So you just then went and stayed with your dad? Yeah, I, I went, I got on a plane, 
and flew to California and uh, really met my dad and, and kind of started this whole new adventure. Like my dad, I was at the point where I wanted to be out, right? And my dad was at the point where he didn't really know how to deal with a 15-year-old punk rock kid. So he was he was okay with me being out all the time. And that's kind of how he was anyway. He was really laid back and would just be like, just don't get in trouble. Don't get the cops called. He's like, but, you know, we'll make it through this. We'll get through this. And that's kind of what we did. You know, I got to know him. Um, while I was also kind of getting to know myself as well. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I just thought you were going to say it was really bad when you went to your dad's. That's cool that it, that it, what, like, that it actually worked out. No, it was, I mean, it was, it was funny because I got off the plane at my, <laughs> I got off the plane and I was wearing, I had a mohawk, a ripped up Ramones t-shirt and cut off jeans with like combat boots, right? Yeah, you're a proper punk rock kid. Yes. And my dad was standing there in a three-piece, like, businessman suit. And we didn't really know what the other person looked like. Because I'd only really see, like, it wasn't, you didn't have the internet and stuff like that back then. I just had photos and stuff of him. And, like, kind of memories of what he looked like. And then uh, we were both kind of... Like, I, I came off the plane, and I remember he looked at me, and he gave me this look like, holy shit, I hope you're not Scott. And I think I gave him, like, the same look, like, holy shit, you're my dad, right? And we just kind of yeah, stood there, like, sizing each other up for a couple minutes, and then we gave each other a hug and got in the car, and kind of that was that, you know? Wow, that's pretty heavy. So you said, um, so have you been diagnosed, Scott? Well, they, so when I went to my dad's, like I said, they put me on lithium, right? In the, really in the, young to be on lithium. Hmm. They lithium put me on lithium, which terrible. when I was in Horsham, and the doctor's, there wanted me to stay on it and when my dad took like when my i went and stayed with my dad he took me to another psychiatrist that said that he he didn't think i needed lithium he just thought that i was um a wild kid you know like he didn't really want to diagnose me because i was 15. you know and he was like this could be something he's going to grow out of he didn't really want to he didn't definitely didn't want to keep me on lithium. He definitely didn't want to keep me um, sedated or anything like that. He just they didn't see a point for it then. That was the last time though that I saw a proper doctor. What? You know what I mean? It's a long, long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. So where do you now? How do you fit? Do you? ever think that you have still got that going on? That I what? Do you, because, what, so did they think that you had bipolar like your mum? Yeah. And where do you sit with that now? Do you think you have? 
Oh, that's weird. My mom's calling me right now. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, do I have it? I so. Yes. Okay. So my wife just told me from the other room that I do. Um, <laughs> I am. Yeah. No, I do. I'm like. I'm nuts, and I know I'm nuts, and I don't mean to say that being cute. Like, no, you know, I'm crazy. Like, no, I I know. You know, I've I've got issues with aggression, and, and I've got issues with. Um, like I've got a temper and and. and when I get down, I get really down. You know, I don't get it. It's not like a daily thing. You know what I mean? But when I get it, I get it hard. Right. Uh, you know, and it takes... I literally have to leave. Like, when, it, when, it, when I get like that, I have, to, I have to get out. Like, it's the same thing like when I was a kid. I got to get out. I got to get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like... It's, it's, it's definitely there. I think I've learned, I learned, well, no, I didn't learn how to comment until maybe two years ago. Because I, I used to always, you know, I, I could say I had it under control, but I would, like, I used to drink a ton, you know, and, and for years I, I would do a ton of drugs and, and uh, you know, so I could, I could say I was fine, but I was never really fine. I just self-medicated for, for eight. Um, so yes, yes, I definitely still have something, <laughs> you know. What do you, so, self I, I mean, I've self-medicated for years, and in, in many ways, I've only really, it's only, for me, the same, really, the last two years of the, uh, is when I've kind of got it together. Like I had a proper breakdown, and then um, uh, I just had a ton, a ton of therapy, like loads of medication, and I'm, I'm so much like I'm just so much better. I can feel myself when I start to go, and I can kind of deal with it before it gets really bad. Um, and doing this really helps me, you know. Yeah. Having um, uh, some kind of purpose can help you steer you away from it. I think. Yes. So that's the other thing, though. I think, like, when I was playing in bands, yeah, we used to drink and do a lot of drugs. And I think um, for most people, it was, yeah, just like, oh, we're in a band. That's what we do. But for me, it was always more to do with the, I need to escape somehow, like mentally escape. Yeah. No, that's, honestly, that's why I loved... Like, that's why that shit suited me so well. You know, yeah. like, I was never, I didn't, until I met my wife, I don't think I had a bet for, like, let's say, well, I, I left, stopped living at my, from when I was 18 till about 26, 27, I didn't have a bet. You know, I just, I lived on the road. I lived in bands, I lived on people's, floors and couches and uh, I always had to get out I always had to either I had I had to get out or I, or I was gonna explore you know and it was just easier for me to get out that's why I loved being on tour yeah you know that's I, 
never, I mean, I could just get as nuts as I could, as I possibly could. And it wasn't going to be judged. It was like, it's okay to be a maniac right now because I'm supposed to be a maniac. Right yeah, now. Yeah. You know, like I don't have to keep my shit together. I'm not supposed to keep my shit together. I can go fucking crazy right now. You know, um, that really suited me. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. I always found like planning bands out and, um, no one ever really talks. No, it's all about that, and it's about the next thing. And you never really, uh, like, you think you're like this kind of group of brothers, but no one ever really kind of talks about how they feel or anything like that. Or uh, it's it's just a really odd situation. It's like, yeah, we're all like, yeah, we're going to take on the world. But, you know, if you fall down, then you're letting us all down. Yeah. You know? really difficult yeah and i mean a lot of it a lot of it too is once you get to that point and you have a couple guys that are dealing with that Mm. within themselves it doesn't come off like let's have a chat about this yeah it's a you skip that part of the conversation you skip the let's have a talk and see how things are and go straight to the I'm going to knock you the fuck out. You know what I mean? Like it, you skip the whole, like, let's, let's be reasonable for a second. Yeah. You know, let's, let's see what's actually going on. And you, you skip that and go straight from like, let's go have a couple drinks and beat the shit out of each other. You know, like that's it. <laughs> and then when you do start like bringing up, issues and stuff like that it just no one wants to hear it you know no no oh so you say that that's not just being in bands is it like that's men are quite like that anyway you know men aren't very good at talking anyway that's kind of why i do the podcast because it's like yeah it's why it's called mouth and manliness it's like yeah men are not allowed to talk (laughs) it's just talk sometimes we're allowed to be like vulnerable and useless and you talk about it, it's better. Yeah. Sorry, my kid's going apeshit in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> That's alright. That's alright. My kids, yeah, as I said, my kids exactly the same. My kids yeah. have work. Um, so, so, um, so what's the difference now then? Like, do you find it, you can deal with things easier now? <laughs> well, <laughs> So, how I can deal with things now. So, I had a bit of a medical fuck-up a couple years back, right? And uh, basically, I got diagnosed with some shit you don't ever want to get diagnosed with, right? I had a brain tumor that was one of those ones that is not a good thing to have. Okay. Um, And I had a really successful surgery. I had um, everything that could have gone right went right. And if one of those things would have gone wrong, you and I probably wouldn't be talking today. Okay. And that was. Yeah, scary. that, That was two years ago. Oh, that was like 
Yeah, it was. The surgery was December 26th, uh, 2017. Okay. And after that, I did. I did a ton. Like I had a, I had a month off work. Right? They gave me a month off from my job. And for that month, I literally like sat and thought about where I was. And I just got this terrible diagnosis. And how am I going to deal with this? And what am I going to do? And you like, you're really given the choice like that, right? Like you're given a choice to accept it and give into it or accept it and do your best to be it. That's really your only two choices. Yeah. And uh, I decided that the fucker wasn't going to get me and that, you know, I've got a wife and three kids yeah. and I got a lot of shit I got to be around for. And um, that really flipped everything on its head. You know what I mean? Like it really, it changed the way I look at life and it changed the way that I even looked at um, like that, that aggression I was telling about and that, that yeah. constant like feeling like I'm going to explode. That doesn't go away. It's always there, right? It's like it's like that part, and it's just so stupid. But that part in uh, the Avengers when they're like Hulk get angry, and he's like, "I'm always angry," and then he turns into the Hulk and smashes it, right? Like it's how I'm always angry, right? I'm always like I've always got this little tick in the back of my head that's just like, let's just go smash something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Angry is not the right word. Angry is not the right word. Destructive, I think, is better, right? Um, Was that partly um, self-destructive as well, though? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because if, you know, absolutely. Um, but when I, after the diagnosis, I was like, okay, dude, like, Up to the, like, everything you've done up to this point has got you to this point, and this is where you are, yeah. right? Uh, moving forward, if you don't change and actually deal with all this shit head on, you know where you're going to be. Yeah. So you have to change, and there's no half-assing it. you got to change completely. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's what I did. And I started like I went completely sober. I haven't been doing like I haven't done drugs or anything like that for years, but I still like drinking. Yeah. Cut drinking completely out. Um, went completely basically vegan and uh, um, did all those like physical things that you can do but then mentally I started like 
doing a shitload of work. Um, like I would, I would listen to a ton of like try doing a ton of meditation and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I did that. I couldn't switch off. It's driving me mad. Well, nah, but the thing with the thing that I figured out about meditation is you're not really you're not gonna switch off, right? No. It's it's just kind of teaching yourself how to push those thoughts out. I've never been able to do it, but I still um, I still give it a shot every day because it it does do something. It does help. Like, I, well, not every day, as much as I can. Like those times that I sit there and I just get quiet. There's a breathing method that I started doing. It's a uh, Breathe in for four for four counts, hold that for seven counts, breathe out for eight counts, right? So you're you're like okay, and you keep repeating that, and it slows you down. It, it start your your body starts mimicking like going to sleep. Okay, and um, I started running, right, and. Uh, I do that at the end of my runs, and I'm a completely different person. You know, like it, it's it's the days that I don't do it, my wife's like, "You need to get out of the goddamn house and go for a run." You know, like yeah. It, uh, it How long do you run for? Huh? How long do you run for? Um. When I, about five to seven miles a um, day, or not a day, but every other day, as much as I can. When I get out, I go for five to seven miles. Uh, sometimes I'll, but that, that's another thing that I started doing to help me mentally. And that's honestly been the best thing that I've ever done, ever, ever done. Um, yeah, you know what? A, a, a lot of the things you're saying are like, um, I, I feel like for me, there's a bit, there's that I need to, I need to be doing exercise because I think that would really help me out. And and everyone, everywhere you read or anything, it all says like exercise is the key. You know, it really it, it releases endorphins and serotonin and makes you feel better. Oh, yeah, I've never been able to get myself to do it because I absolutely hate exercise. I yeah. feel really self-conscious. I hate it. I'm kind of tall and awkward. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I just I can't bring myself to do it. But uh, that breathing technique that you're talking about um, is similar to uh, there's a guy Wim Hof. Wim Hof. Yeah, if you love that guy. Yeah, yeah, and he he does that and. Um, I've had another, like, um, a presenter over here, and he was telling me about Wim Hof, and yeah. he absolutely swears by it, and he has, like, a freezing cold shower and everything as well. And you it, done it, that? Yeah, yeah, he says he can't feel bad after that. He does the breathing thing, which is really similar to what you said, and then he, does, <laughs> then he has a freezing shower, and he says, and he wakes, and he does that first thing in the morning, yeah. and every day is a good day. Yeah, there's, dude, it works, man. Um, 
you know, there's this, there's a couple people I know that did it that, that turned me on to it. Uh, John Joseph from the Chromax. Uh, he's actually the one that turned me on to Wim Hof. Uh, and that kind of breathing, man, it really, really does set you up. Like, I feel guilty the days that I don't do it because I know – I know I should have done it. Like halfway through the, through the day, I'm like, fuck, you should have done, you should have done the breathing. It's hard to keep in a routine with that stuff. Yeah, no, I'm exactly the same. And to do things in the morning, like I wake up in a bad mood. Like I want to kill everyone and kill myself every morning when I wake up. And I, I'm all right after a bit. But then to actually kind of, like I, I pretty much just get up and go to work to like to actually do something in that gap between just seems like the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. So what's um what meditation do you do? So I I I have this mantra that Yeah, it's transcendental. Huh? That's transcendental meditation then I think. I did a course on that. There's, there's a mantra that I repeat, I came up with and I repeat to myself. And I came up with it when I was, <clears throat> when I went into radiation the first day, right? They put this like mask on your head. Yeah. And then they, you know, they turn the machine on. You're like strapped with this mask like that. And it's a fucking weird place to be, yeah. you know? Uh, and I was started panic, like started panicking, and and because uh, it, it was super claustrophobic. And I'm not a really claustrophobic person, but this thing's literally it's formed your face, right? You can't move anything like that. And uh, I started kind of freaking out, and I just started saying, um, "I'm healthy. I'm clean. I'm cancer free." I'm healthy, I'm clean, I'm cancer-free. And then I said, I'm healthy, I'm clean, I'm cancer-free. The power to heal me is at work within me. I'm healthy, I'm clean, I'm cancer-free. The power to heal me is at work within me. And it just started being this thing that I repeat to myself. I repeat it all, like I repeat it when I'm running. I repeat it when... I take a Wim Hof fucking ice shower, right? I, uh, it's like with cancer, the one thing that I've always thought, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a doctor, you know, I don't think doctors have all the answers, but I feel like if this thing happened within me, right? Yeah. My body did it. My body holds the key to turning it off. Yeah. Right? I, there's something with there's a mechanism in me that can click that off. That holds true for depression, right? Holds true for everything. Like it's within you, and, and the fix for it, if it starts within you, for me, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, but for me, if the, the switch was flicked in me, then I can turn it off, right? Yeah. So, I came up with that mantra just kind of on the spot one day and it's dude, I'm, um, it's worked. It's working. It's working. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I think if you tell yourself and really believe that you're going to get through this today, you're going to get through it today. You're going to get through it today. You're going to get through it today. Yeah. You know? Uh, as, as far as I know, because today I'm here, right? Yeah. Today I'm having a good day. Tomorrow might be different, but right now is all that matters because no one's guaranteed anything else anywhere. You know what I mean? I think that, and that's, like, that's the answer, isn't it? Like, I often, I always struggle with kind of, like, this therapy talk of being present. You know, like, rather than, like, thinking about the past that makes you feel sad or worrying about the future that makes you feel anxious, you know, just enjoy what's around you and notice what's around you. Yes. And, like, that's the key. And what I love what you said there was that uh, the answer's within for me, for years, it was I was looking for answers elsewhere. You know, like, even if it's just, you know, like, oh, you know, my mates aren't bothered with me. You know, like, because you want things outside of you to kind of come along and fix it. You know, and it's like drinking drugs. It's like, there's an answer over there, but it's not. The answer's all in here. Yeah. In, in you. Totally well, agree with what you're saying, completely. Well, that's something, too. There's in your entire existence, there's one constant. There's only one constant in your ex entire existence, and it's you. Yeah. If everything around you is going to shit, it's time to stop looking around and say, well, okay, this is me. This is mine. I own this. Just because that person's being a dick, it doesn't mean it's your fault, right? But if everything around you is just kind of going shit, you got to stop and take some responsibility for it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And accept it. And I can accept that I am a fucking lunatic. And I, can, I do shit that I shouldn't do. And I think things that I shouldn't think. And that's not anybody's fault. You know, that's, that's within me. And accepting that um, ex like accepting the blame blame is probably not the best word but it's the best one I can think of yeah. accepting that the fault lies within me means that the better answer lies within me as well yeah. you know what I mean yeah. and the days that I, I'm going to explode nobody's else's fault that I'm going to explode. They didn't mean to set me off. I'm the one that's pissed. It's, it's here. Yeah. You know, there's nothing, you know, somebody else could have done the same thing to somebody else and they would have handled it completely different. I handle it the way that I do and that's my fault. That's me. And, you know, meditation, I really found is one of those things that Let you deal with that, you know. Um, let you exercise it, I guess. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It also kind of it, it pulls you in and makes you kind of feel. I I find it makes me feel um, part of the the world. It's almost like uh, um, it stops being about me so much. You know, yes. like 
because I think if you've got a brain like I think we've probably got, your brain's going 100 miles an hour and it's all like, and it's all, it's all about you. And like, letting go of that, and meditation really helps you do that. You just start, and, oh no, I'm just one person on this massive planet and uh, universe. And actually like, I'm not really that important. <laughs> You know, I don't really matter that much. And it yeah. sounds quite freeing about that, I think. No, it's it's totally free. It's totally, like, um, takes the pressure off a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it takes the pressure off your brain. <laughs> your brain, just because, like, my brain's just always telling me I'm crap and I'm useless. And I'm well, like, well, I, I, yeah, then I start thinking, well, I, I can't be that bad. <laughs> like, you know, like you start actually kind of making sense of it and you realise that it's just shit. Your brain's just telling you stupid shit and you don't have to listen to it. No, you know, and that's something else too. Like, um, there's never... People say that people don't change, Right? And I believe that, right? People don't change. What is in you, I think, is always in you. It's the part that you listen to yeah. that changes. Yeah. You know, like, it's not like I stopped drinking and doing drugs and all of a sudden I'm like, hey, yeah. I'm super happy, go lucky, dude, all right, I fixed it. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. not real. Yeah. You know, I still have the bastard voice in my head going, dude, doesn't that line of coke sound fucking yeah. right? You know, like, yeah. yeah, it does, but I'd rather hang out with my kids. I'm going to listen to that voice that says, dude, your kid's right over here. Your wife would leave you if you did that. How about don't do it, you know? And, uh, yeah. I think uh, what that, there was... Uh, like, you know, it's saying, like, in the last two years, things have changed, and that's one of the big things that changed for me. Like, I see this therapist, Peter, and he was saying, like, you can only... You can't control what other people do. You can only control what you, how you think. Uh, and it is, and it's like... And he just explained, like, that your brain... If your brain's that way, it's going to be a pain in the ass, and it's going to tell you to do things, but you just don't have to listen. You don't yeah. have to listen. We have a choice. And, like, you could choose how you think about things rather than thinking everything's bad. You can think, oh, everything's all right. Right. And yeah. that, is, that is hard to do. Yeah, it is hard to do, especially if you're having a bad day. It, that's, that's hard to do, but you can do it. You yeah. Know? You, you just have to not expect yourself to do it. You know, there's days that I'm just like, God, I'm nuts. I know I shouldn't be thinking like this, but I can't help that I am, you know? Yes. That's when you have to figure out some other shit to do. Hold on. We've got an autism meltdown going on in the other room. Oh, room. no. He stinks. My 12-year-old is hitting that point where he, like, needs to shower all the time because he's, like pretty ripe and uh see he was just giving my wife a hard time because she told him to get in the shower but it's past now we're good, oh, good. yeah oh 
Oh, you said loads of things that really resonate with me, and there are a lot of things that I've kind of been learning myself in many ways. Um, but yeah, I've always got that kind of self-destructive monster in my head, going, "Yeah, do that. Oh, that's brilliant. Why wouldn't you do that?" And then you go, "Because I'm like 44 and I'm a dad, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I have to pay the bills and all that boring stuff. Like I just can't do it anymore." Right. And um, oh no, that's it. Uh, I loved what you said that you know you accept that some days um, you don't have a handle on it and it's not good. Um, and I think I used to really beat myself up over that. And like now, I just go, oh, it's just a bad day. You know, like, I, yeah, I'm not doing that well today. Um, yeah. Doesn't happen every day. Probably like once, one or two days a week, I feel like that. But I can accept it. It's just that and it's not forever, which I never used to be able to do. But uh, that kind of accepting certain things as they are and not kind of getting giving yourself a hard time about it is really helpful. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing, like, like what you just said, like, that's the shit that, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. Just knowing that being in the moment and knowing that this moment sucks, right? But there, it, like, it's not going to suck forever. Mm. Uh, even if you don't believe that at the time, you know it's true. You know it's not going to suck forever. You just have to get through that moment. And you, as long as you know that you're going to have those moments, like you can't. I've seen I've seen people have like a great week, right? And then they have a bad day, and it completely shuts them down. You know, yeah, it's it, like a great week didn't happen. I'm having a bad day now. Everything else has gone out the window. Right. Like, I don't, I know it's not easy for, for everybody. It's not easy. You know, I don't mean to say like this, 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 the solution is that simple because when you're in those moments, they can get dark as shit. Yeah. But it's knowing that's something else when it goes back to meditation. It's like you're in that moment, but that moment's not going to last, you know? Um, the, the, the really good shit that happened to you yesterday is probably going to happen to you again tomorrow. You know, it's just acknowledging that you're having a bad moment. Yeah. And it's not a day. It's a moment. Even if that moment lasts for the entire day, you're having a bad moment that doesn't um, that doesn't describe you that's not you that's that moment that's you know it's not you that that moment doesn't define you that moment is just a moment that is happening at that moment that's not your defining moment. yeah you know I mean yeah yeah it's it's I find it really nice, actually, because you're saying a lot of the things that I, I've kind of learned, which makes them um, 
seem right. Do you know what I mean? Like it makes it think, me think, yeah, yeah, we're, we're doing the right things. And it is, it's just simple little things, isn't it? It's like just, you just change the way you think about it a little bit. And you can really, it can really move you along. And it is, sometimes it's just a phrase that someone says and it just kind of clicks and it makes sense. And you're like, ah, oh, right, I'm just going to keep trying that. Right. And then, then it just seems to work. Oh, it sounds, yeah, my wife had, um, I nearly lost my wife a few years ago. Uh, she had breast cancer. And, yeah. um, and uh, yeah, those moments when you're like, it all just comes crashing in and then and then you, it kind of really you, it's those horrible moments like that when you really start to kind of appreciate life before that you're like oh, i don't care i don't care about anything like it's proper self like even having children didn't really take that out of me but then my wife getting in was like i nearly fucking lost her yeah and then it's like it just changes everything everything changes and you're like you know, everyone should have some moment like that where you really learn like that life's all right and it's worth living. And then you, yeah. I've been self-destructive since, really. It, uh, you know, it's weird from for for me. Like, there's there's a you definitely once you're once you're touched by that, right? Once once you are literally like there like you're gonna die right and you realize that everybody knows they're gonna die everybody knows that you know at some point you're you're not gonna exist you're gonna die but when you actually deal with it and know it to be true you'll die and that's it like it changes you dude it like Life is different on the other side of that. Mm. You know, it's it's a different place. And it's sometimes it's a hard place because there's an innocence you have before you have to deal with it properly. And I don't mean like your grandparents passing away because, you know, even though that's a terrible thing. And, but when you're truly devastated, um, it it changes the other side. You know what I mean? Because you're not innocent anymore. There's not that, like, there's something always kind of in the back of your mind. It's like, like, this isn't forever. You know, you better appreciate every goddamn second you have. You know, get off your Facebook, get off your, you know, don't, stare at your phones don't don't lose your your time doing stupid shit and you know like when you have a bad day take it it's a bad day so what like it sucks that moment sucks but there's so much more out there that is better than that yeah. Do you find like I found um that just little things just you know like the things that used to really piss you off, like just like, they just don't matter anymore. Like shit just don't matter anymore. It's like oh no, I've just we've just been dealing with something real and now when people complain about things, you're like, What? What are you complaining yeah. about? 
sometimes I'll like I'll I'll be looking around and I'll just I'll feel like an egotistical prick because it'll be like shut up like you don't you, like that's what you're gonna cry about yeah I'll I'll, I'll give you something to cry about like that's like just that's the thing that you're gonna complain about right at this second you know when you have all this shit going on around you that you could be paying attention to that minute freaking detail is gonna be a thing that's gonna set your day off yeah I wish I had your problems <laughs> I mean <laughs> I, I tell you ever since that though I'm exactly the same I'm like that, that what are you talking about it means nothing like if you've been through something serious like I remember just thinking like I had my kids and I thought I'd lost my, I was going to lose my wife and it would just be me and the kids and like and my brain just constantly telling me that yeah. uh, and I yeah I, I mean at the time I kind of held it together because you kind of have to and afterwards it was when she got better that I totally fell apart because it was like fuck what have I been through like but you do, you just like you just realise there's so much stuff. There's just so much stuff in life is just unimportant. And yeah, you do feel a bit egotistical, but you know, it's true. Yeah. It's right, it's fact. It's it's not I mean like egotistical might not be the right word, but it's you know, I'll never say I'll never ever say um, that I'm, how do I say this? I'll never say uh, that I'm glad I got cancer, right? I'll never say. <clears throat> However, I am very happy that I've realized the things that I did from that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, um, my relationship, even with myself, is different. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I tend to give myself a little bit more of a break now and then, yeah. you know? And uh, my kids, like, my wife and my kids, I don't, I don't know what I would do without them. You know, like, I, I before I'd probably be, like, half in the bag, you know, like I'd have a day off and I'd like start having margaritas or something like that and kind of waste the day and I don't waste any days anymore, you know, and, and not wasting time. Sometimes I kind of overdo it, to be honest. Sometimes I'm like, my kids and stuff just want to like hang out and watch TV and I'm like, no TV, everybody outside. It's a beautiful day. And they're like, dude, we're so tired. Uh, <laughs> You know, and I'm like hyper, like, no, we have to enjoy every minute. But I'm lucky to have that, you know, even though it took some shit, I'm lucky to be where I am. And that's the one, like, when I get down, that's the thing that I think, you know. Yeah. You're lucky to be down right now because you could be dead. Scott, you've had a pretty wild ride, haven't you? It makes me think of the uh, Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> like, 
That's my hero, by the way. It's, yeah, one of my heroes. I've got all of his books up there. Massive fan of Hunter S. Thompson. My mate's got, um, he's got a draw, uh, one of, you know who did his artwork? Um, yeah, He's yeah. got a picture that was painted by Stedman and then it was shot with shotguns by Hunter Thompson, Stedman and um, William Burroughs. Uh, and it's got all the shot in it and it's signed by them all and he's got it in his house. And it, uh, there's not much in this world that I like, really, really feel jealous about, but I really want that. That's I'd awesome. Love to have that. That's awesome. He recently wow. bought, he, he bought... Uh, so, uh, Hunt, he bought a letter that Hunter had written to someone asking him for speedballs. Um, and he bought that for like 800 quid. Like, yeah, I get it, though. I get it. Because, like, yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, but he was... Pro it's funny because he, he must have had things going on as well, mustn't he? Uh, yes, he did. I mean, in that, up till the end. You know, he, he has... That dude was nuts. Yeah. You yeah. know? I don't know. I don't know. world was different after that guy died, man. Yeah, I was really sad when he died. I really was. I was really shocked. I was shocked, and then, then I wasn't, really. I'd have loved to have seen the, uh, the fist thing. I know. Johnny Depp did. A double thumb. Yeah, yeah. I think about getting that tattooed, actually. I've got a lot of space left. <laughs> I keep thinking I'm going to get one of them done. I really do. So what, where are you, what do you do now then, Scott? Are you still playing? Are you still doing stuff? Well, I'd taken a break. After I quit the Wild Hearts, or left the Wild Hearts, um, I stopped doing music kind of completely for a little while uh, because I'm, I'm very, when I'm in it, it's all, I'm consumed with it, right? And I needed to kind of take a step away from, from music to be a proper father. Because um, the second I, like, if someone's like, oh, come on, let's play a show. I'm like, all right, that sounds good. And within five minutes, we're planning a tour. You know? Yeah. So it's like, it's one of those things that I'm like, I, I, I got to I just had to walk away from it completely. And, and uh, so I got, I started managing a restaurant um, here in Portland after kind of jumping around a couple things and, yeah. I got into the restaurant industry, which is what I grew up doing before I got in or before I started playing in bands. But like I was a I was a chef. I used to be a chef. I, I, yeah? yeah, I used to be a chef. That's my first ever job. Yeah, that's awesome. That was my first proper job was a chef. Yeah. Uh, so after I got after I got out of playing music, I started working at um, at a brewery. It was like in a brew pub type of place. Um, and then this whole COVID-19 thing happened and uh, everything shut down. Yeah. Uh, so currently I'm working at, uh, like I'm kind of a manager at this um, 
like a grocery store, like a Tesco's kind of place, right? Um, kind of figuring out what we're going to do. Yeah. So but this whole thing was kind of out of the blue. However, during this, I've started writing a ton. Uh, writing a ton, a ton, like a lot. So we'll see what happens with that. But I don't, I don't su suspect I won't be putting out music anytime soon, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I always thought, uh, like recently, someone I know who's is like, he's got a record deal on that, and he was going, oh, I'm releasing something, I need someone to do some guitar, do you want to come and do it? And I'm like, well, of course I want to come and do it. But... I've got a job and kids and all these responsibilities and I, and I, you know, not that they'd be angry with me, but I'd feel bad if I just then went, oh, I'm going for six months or whatever. Like, I'd find that so difficult now. I really would. It's like life just gets, starts, you know, like all the grown up stuff starts happening and then, you, then, then you're in it and you can't do anything. I know. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my middle son's name is Ryder Cash, right? We named him after Johnny Cash. <laughs> and uh, we, we watched uh, Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash. Yeah, yeah, great film. The film. And after we watched that, um, every time I would pick up my guitar, he'd be like, Dad, you're you're not going to go on tour, are you? And I'm like, no, buddy, I'm just playing, I'm playing some music. And he would get kind of upset thinking that I was going to be leaving. Because, yeah. you know, watching that film, Johnny Cash kind of leaves his family and all that. And I'm like, no, dude, like, I'm home. I'm not going to leave you guys. Like, that's, that's not where I am anymore. I will make music from the house, you know. I mean, probably do a few shows here and there, but I could never, could never go back to, you know, the way it was where I was home for. <laughs> My wife just said to me from the other room, "You're not leaving me alone with them." <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> and uh, that's that's what my wife would be saying to me, like, "No way, that's not fair." <laughs> oh yeah. Well, Scott, that's our hour. We're back. The alarm's gone off and we've gone over. Uh, so brilliant. So brilliant. <laughs> like, what a fucking amazing story. For know. life. <laughs> so exciting. Wow. So, is there, is there anything... I'll tell you what, I, was, I, don't, I don't really think about what I'm going to do before I go into these things. I like to just see what happens. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, the, the only thing I did think I'd like to ask was, um, like, the big, what's your uh, biggest, like, rock and roll story? Do you know what I mean? Like, what's the, or the craziest, or, like, you must have, like, a story that just sits with you, like, you know, like Motley Crue seeing Ozzy snort, snorting uh, ants, you know, like that. Well, you know, I have a lot of those stories, and and I've got like a lot of big rock and roll kind of cliche stories, but they don't really mean anything. The things, the one story that I have 
um, that has always sat with me as if, like, if I never played music after this day, I would have been okay, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it happened when I was 18, right? The band, I was in a band called The Defiant Ones and out in San Jose. And we opened for The Damned, okay? At a place called Palookaville in Santa Cruz. I still remember all this shit like it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And, um, the Damned is my favorite band of all time. Yeah. Like, of all time. I love The Damned. They're like, they're probably the only band that I've listened to consistently for the last 30 years. Or yeah. Uh, I love The Damned. So we, I was really excited to play this show. We all turned up. And when we turned up, you know, the dam turned up and like I saw him from across the room and I was like, oh my God, it's Dave Vaney and Captain Sensible and, and all this. And they set up to do their uh, sound check. Yeah. And they're all setting up and Dave came out and I was like in awe, right? And it's so cool. The, Dave came out and he was like, I have a question for you guys. And he's looking at us and he's like, do any of you know how to play any of our songs on bass? And I was like, I can play new rows. He's like, well, get up here. Because Patricia, who was their bass player at the time, was sick and she had to stay at the hotel. So they needed someone to fill in for her really? to play for their sound show. And he was like, you can play new rows? And I was like, yeah, I can. And he's like, okay, get up here. And I got on stage and got the sound check and play with the dam. And like, uh, Dave Vanian was like walking around and like singing around me, and Captain Sensible was playing over here, and Monty the Morons over here. And I was in seventh heaven, dude. I couldn't have, I still like thinking about it, I still get the chills. And I'm like, I'm, you know. 41 years old now. I got chills hearing it, man. I got chills hearing it. Like, you're 18 and you're playing with your favorite band. Yeah, playing on stage. And then Captain Sensible that night said he needed an extra guitar to play um, Eloise because it's in a different tuning. And he asked if he could use my shitty Les Paul standard, like uh, Epiphone. Yeah. Les Paul, right? And, he, and I was like, yeah, you can use it. So he got up on stage and played my guitar for their, during their set. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> I don't like, I've played like some oh, yeah. huge crowds and stuff like that before and, or after, <clears throat> you know, and still that night, like, I felt like I was king of the world. You know? Yeah, yeah. It was it was the coolest the coolest rock and roll night of my life. Everything after that was great. I appreciate every second of it. But that one night everything else could have not existed. I had that one night, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. That's perfect. What a perfect <laughs> thing. And what a perfect no, that's that ends it beautifully. I love yeah. that. Well, 
I've just got to say thank you so much, Scott. Like, it's amazing. Thank we just you. talked on a like, messenger the other day, and like, now we're doing it. It's brilliant. So, so cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, I will message you when it goes out, if you don't mind like sharing. Um, just, Absolutely. Just so, yeah, just trying to help as many people as possible, really. Uh, thank you so much, mate. I really appreciate it. It was great. It was so cool. Uh, I feel like I want to give you a hug. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. We'll leave it there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nick. All right, take care. Bye. Bye. This is the mouth of manliness. 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 Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 